to the FishCast. My name is Corey Long, joined by the man of the hour, Charles Fishbine, fresh off the baseball diamond. Uh, where he's cooking at the How you doing, Fish? Oh, man. It, it's fun. You know, I, I'm coaching. I'm the head coach of the baseball team, so you know where that's going. But Oh, uh, man. Oh, geez. Oh, yeah. This is Bad News Bears Incorporated. And actually, they're not that bad. I, I, I was a little concerned, but I, I think I got some players, man. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. Well, that's good. And I know one of the players is, of course, your son, Ethan. He's a good it's solid young athlete, clearly, clearly not related to you. But oh, uh, there's there's no question that uh, one of the weekends I left town, something else happened. But we won't. That's another podcast another, altogether. Another podcast. For that's another that's day. like yeah, that's a long podcast. That's like another, three four hours worth of work. You know, another podcast for another day. <laughs> what we are going to get into, however, is that today was the I've defined this as the secondary period. So, so it's kind of like it's a traditional national signing day, but with the way early signing day takes up most of the air in the room, it's kind of become a secondary period. And it was this was probably a more interesting secondary period than we've had in a while because you had so many coaching changes, uh, 29 altogether when it was said and done, including, you know, major situation Miami. Uh, Oklahoma, USC, LSU, Washington, Notre Dame, uh, you know, some real major switches across the board, Oregon. And uh, so, you know, what we saw, of course, Florida, too, what we saw were, was a lot of these uh, groups, a lot of these classes being built through either the transfer portal, which is how USC did a lot of their stuff, or through really, you know, more recruiting and recruiting, which is how, you know, Oklahoma did it and how Miami and Florida tried to do a little bit more of it. And uh, it, it made for it to be very interesting. Um, at the end of the day, Texas A&M had the best class in the nation. And it was, they were number one going away. They even had an impressive haul today. I mean, they added kids from, you know, Shamar Smith from Miami. They added a they added a uh, they added a big time safety from uh, Louisiana. They had you know they had they had they, they they just continue to add top kids. But uh, in the process, there was a ton of sniping between Jimbo Fisher, the head coach of Texas A and M, Lane Kiffin, the head coach of Mississippi, Nick Saban jumped in there. Uh, it was a it was it was quite a day, and it, it lets you know that there's going to be. Uh, you know, they're going to have some receipts come this fall when some of these games. The good thing about Ole Miss, Alabama, and Texas A&M is they're all in the same division. Oh, man. They all play each other. Did you, did you, see, did you get to see Coley on Instagram? I, I honestly think after they got, like, Shamar Smith, I mean, or Shamar Stewart, he was doing the crip walk. I mean, like, honestly, he was. Yeah. <laughs> we got to get Coley on. We got to see what Coley, Coley learned something these moves yeah, from, like, when he was at, he must have been hanging. When he was at, at, when he went to school in Florida State, he must have been hanging out at the Moon on Saturday nights when all, when like the when the FAMU kids went out there to learn some of those moves. So. Oh my God, he was dancing on Instagram, man. It's, I tell you, that guy uh, was having a good day, a good day. Uh, twenty nine commitments, man. Twenty nine for 
this transfer portal world that everybody talks about, A&M signed 29, Alabama signed 25, Georgia signed 29, Ohio State 21, Texas 28, Penn State 25. I mean, everybody in the top 10 minus North Carolina in their rankings had over 20-something commitments. And, I, you know, everybody keeps saying, oh, it's a transfer portal. Transfer portal. Listen, these schools still want to recruit high school football players. Um, and I don't think that's changing. No, and that's, you know, and that's the foundation. I mean, that's your foundation is going to be your ability to recruit high schools uh, because that's where you're going to be able to get your best chance to have kids that are going four and five years. And with the, um, with the plus seven that the NCAA offered this year, so that number, that class number could be as high as 32, it gave the, it gave the schools that are good at recruiting high schoolers. It gave those schools a lot, even, even more flexibility because they didn't have to, like Alabama lost like a dozen players through the portal. They, I think they only ended up bringing, I know Jameer Gibbs from Georgia Tech, there was a, a wide receiver from Georgia. I think there was another play. Like, it only, take, only took a couple yeah, of they brought, players. They brought in Jermaine Burton, Jameer yeah. Gibbs, and Eli Ricks for the three. Eli I, Ricks, yeah, yeah. who's a big-time cornerback that came from LSU. Yeah. Yeah. In all those cases, those are guys that are going to start for them next year. Like, they're yeah. not in there trying to build depth through the transfer nah, pool. They're looking for – that's guys quality. That start. Yeah, we're looking for guys that can start. They're not they're money not looking, balling it. Yeah, there's no money balling it. <laughs> so, you know, so when you look at them and when you look at, you know, Georgia and you look at AM and you look at these schools, they're like, you know, they're using the portal is there strictly to fill a hole with an experienced player that they need, whereas other programs are, you know, they're taking like they're taking 15 kids out of yeah. the portal and it's, and it's ridiculous what what i saw it did that it did was there are kids that i think are top 500 kids nationally high school kids top 500 top you know 750 kids nationally that you know it, they they slipped through the cracks of early signing man some of them were transfer portal victims there was a kid we were talking about today a running back out of Winter, I think Winter Park or Winter, I think Winter Park, Florida, um, named Terrence Gibbs, who was ought to be headed to Florida when Dan Mullen was a coach there. He took an official visit to Texas during, right before early signing day. He ends up today signing with Georgia Southern, which is, you know, in terms of group of five schools, Georgia Southern, you know, they're on kind of the lower end, and. The story with them was that he blew out his knee as a junior. You know, he had kind of a rough senior year, which is bound to happen when you're coming back from a major knee injury. You're just not fully confident yet as in, in your body. Now, Fish, correct me if I'm wrong, but three or four years ago, this is the type of player that is kind of what we call a, kind of call it taking a stash. You take him. You know you're going to redshirt them that first year. Get them in your strength program. Get them in like a rehab. You know, get them on a strength rehab weight sort of schedule, and just be prepared for the spring of the following year. So, for example, you would take them now. You have a basically a plan to redshirt them, and by spring of 2023, you're hoping you could. You're hoping he's ready to become a competitor. <laughs> Am I wrong? 
No, I mean, basically now what schools are doing are they're letting these kids go to these other schools, knowing that they're probably better off getting playing time at these other schools, letting them be almost a farm system and say, all right, well, this kid's going to get carries that we can't give him. He's going to get to play at a division one level. And if he balls out, you know, he could just recruit himself up from that level. Yeah. I mean, does that, does that, you know, as you, as somebody that deals with this on a regular basis and tries to help kids find homes and try, does that work for you? Is that, is that a good thing for yours, for what you do? Is that a bad thing for what you do? I I think it's going to settle itself down. Listen, at the end of the day, um, the numbers don't lie. 30% or less of these transfers that go in the portal um, don't sign with other schools. A lot of kids are going to find out that when they go in there and there's not another offer or another opportunity that they're going to be trying to run back to that prior school and that school's already filled those spots. You're going to have head coaches and high school coaches going, you're going to, they're going to start advising these kids. You really shouldn't leave unless you have some other opportunity that's already been promised to you, you know, like almost like a scholarship offer in the portal, because it's not going to be worth it for these kids. They are going to lose um, so much uh, if these guys decide to go in there and you're going to just have a lot of kids that just fall by the wayside. And, and it's, if you've seen it at the, when in the NBA level, when guys were allowed to go uh, from high school right to the NBA, you know, you hear about the LeBron James, you hear about the Kobe Bryant's, but you don't hear about the guys that thought they were NBA players and never got drafted. They never got that opportunity. So it'll be interesting. But um, I think in the next couple of years, you'll see the transfer portal settle down and teams will really just use it more as to fill needs, kind of like free agency. You're not going to build your team through that way, but just like the Bucks did, you know, and won a Super Bowl. They had a lot of pieces. They just added a piece here, a piece there, and they were able to win a Super Bowl. So I think it's going to kind of be the same way in college. I mean, you just look at it. Um, a lot of these guys transfer, and a lot of them just don't make an impact or they don't play. Uh, you've seen it at these schools, and they end up not only not playing, a lot of them are like bouncing out before the season's over uh, and jumping back in the portal. And I, I just don't think that's a route that it's going to eventually go. I'm not one of these people that believe that everything just goes automatically 110%, totally different than everything else. It settles itself out. I think the coaches um, are going to start to realize like they can't put their jobs on the line on guys that are bust at other schools and just keep taking those kids and going, well, you know what? They're divi- they, they sign with that. Well, that doesn't mean they're any good. Schools can miss out or misevaluate these kids. So it'll be very interesting to see what happens, but um I definitely think uh, you'll see it settle down in the next couple of years. Who do you think suffers more um, with the transfer portal? Is it high school recruiting or is it junior college? I think the junior college, because, you know, a lot of the times, you know, the junior college kids have baggage. I mean, there's a reason why they're going to junior college. They either have character problems off the field um, they have academic stuff. I mean, you've seen the uh, the the JUCO programs on Netflix and, and like these kids just, they have a lot of stuff going on. I mean, it's like you're really rolling the dice on a kid. Now, if you could go and get a kid that goes to a four-year program 
maybe he played a little bit, but he doesn't have baggage. It just, it didn't work out. Maybe they brought in a new coach. There's less of a risk uh, than somebody that comes out of the Juco ranks. Some programs have always done well. The Kansas States have always done well. Can't, you know, with the Juco's, I'm sure uh, they'll continue to recruit that because a lot of these kids that are transferring from one program to the next Kansas state or some of these programs may not be for them. So they still have to use that same route that they've done before and they'll still benefit. So, you know, a lot of these Juco kids will still get opportunities, but it may not be, I think you'll see a lot more kids uh, take different routes. Uh, Maybe they go to, um, you know, a, a, a FCS school that maybe their requirements aren't as difficult as a division one school and they work their way back up in a year if they get if they get uh, you get it going. So, I mean, like I said, a lot of the group of five and FCS schools may end up becoming JUCOs for these Power Five programs. Yeah, and I mean that makes it that makes it tough to recruit. I mean, when we hear we we both kind of roll our eyes, especially when we see G five schools or you know, or FCS schools, when they'll come, and they'll come to you, they'll come to me before, and they'll say, yeah, I'm a, we're going to get up, we're only going to recruit about five to ten high school kids. We're just going to do the rest through the portal. And it's frustrating, but when you say what you say, we, we understand it a little bit, because it's like, you know, you go out, you work hard to get high school kids to recruit them, and within two years, if they're having any level of success, they're off the bigger programs. No, there's, it's, it's going to cause a problem for, we talked about it, the days of, um, you know, Khalil Max going to Buffalo and staying there four years, it's not going to happen anymore. If that kid goes and has an impact uh, by a sophomore year, he's going to, he's going to transfer up. You, you can rush the passer to the ability that he could, and you could go and transfer up and not have to sit out a year. Those kids are going to, those are the schools that are going to get hurt the worst, most likely the Mac schools, the Sunbelt Conference USA schools that they develop these kids. And eventually that kid's like, well, I want to play at the power five level. I think that's going to happen, but it's not going to be every kid. Not every kid's going to leave. You know, there, some of them are going to like, they just like the school because it's local or, um, you know, they like the playing time. They, they, maybe they have one year left and they're like, you know what, I could, I could get to the NFL by, uh, going this route, but I don't, you know, it's going to impact it. Like I said, it, it will balance itself out, but I do believe a lot of F, uh, group of five schools will get uh, hurt by this at least early on. You know, the NIL deal, you know, the NIL was a big part of the conversation, especially today. And I'm going to read off Jimbo Fisher's comments in a little bit. Um, one thing I, I think we really don't understand the NIL yet. I think we all have an assumption of what it is. And part of that assumption could be correct, but I don't think we fully understand it. I mean, I think the general belief is that the NIL basically becomes an outlet to pay high school kids and get them to like, well, oh, he signed somewhere. It must be the NIL. I don't believe that necessarily because I don't think you know, I, I there, there's definitely some, you know, there's some things that are being worked out that you know, organ that, that different programs are putting together to help with name, image, and likeness deals. But I certainly don't believe that it's just that kids are going to schools 
because they were promised something at NIL or they had a deal or there was some money there. Uh, I, I just don't see it. Like, I don't, I, I don't see, for example, like Bryce Young has an NIL deal that's worth close to a million dollars that he got last year. Like, I obviously that's going to attract the top quarterback to go to Alabama knowing that, that sort of money is available. But they still got to earn that. Like, it's not like they're going to walk on campus and be like, hey, there's a million bucks for you, pal. Good luck. Yeah, we've talked about this. I think you're going to see that, one, there's going to be language in, in these contracts with these kids like yeah maybe a million dollar deal but you need a you got to hit these benchmarks to get that money it's not hey here's a million dollars you've never played it down because what's going to happen is if that's the case you're risking I, I let's be honest I mean there's been a lot of guys we've seen from the Willie Williams of the world to um, you know even you know from I, I remember from Noel Devine to uh, Fred Rouse, like what happens if you give one of these kids a million dollars, they never play it down. They basically get in trouble, but with the law, like, I, I just think people aren't going to be so quick to hand over money. If it's going to affect that company or, or whoever they're promoting in the future, like this thing's going to settle itself down because all it's going to take is one kid that somebody gave a lot of money to that didn't pan out. And let's be honest, people that make money don't like losing money. I don't care. Like, it's great. People say, oh, yeah, this school wants to win. That's everybody wants to win, but nobody wants to lose money or invest in a bad investment. You know, people that made that money didn't do that by making stupid decisions and just handing, you know, people free cash. You know, it just doesn't work that way. And I, and I think eventually it will work itself out. You're going to you're going to see that these deals are almost like, you know, when you see an NFL contract and they're like, you, there's a difference between the guaranteed money and the actual contract. I think you're going to see a lot of these deals aren't exactly what is out in the public. Like, Oh, this kid, maybe he gets a hundred grand out of the million, but he has to, uh, you know, maybe the, the kid has to win player of the week or win ACC player of the, of the week or win an all American award or, or end up like they're, they're going to have to meet benchmarks. I believe with these companies before they're just handing out millions of dollars. Oh, well, he's going to my school. Like, listen, Boone Pickens had all the money in the world and he couldn't buy kids to Oklahoma State. You know, so like nobody was richer than him. If that was the case, Oklahoma State would have already won a national title. Now it helped them improve their program and it's helped programs like Baylor and stuff, but it's still, you still have to go out. You have to recruit <coughs> kids. <laughs> Sorry about that. And evaluate them. You, you can't miss. And we've seen a lot of kids and a lot of great classes that have never panned out. So what happens when you have a, a, a company that sat there and doled out money for 25 recruits and half of them never see the field? You know, like those companies aren't going to be real happy about that. So I do think it will settle itself out. You're going to see, you're not going to just see the same programs every year, just winning just because they're, you know, their NIL money's more than other people. If, it, if that was the case, then, you know, everybody would just, the, the top, you'd have 20 programs every year that would just go out and get money from anybody and it'd be the same 20 programs. And it's, we, we've seen it. There's trends, things change. Guys have been getting money for a long time. Now it's just transparent where the money's coming from. 
and it is what it is. I don't, I don't think it's going to change a whole lot. I, I, I definitely think you're going to see that a lot of these kids aren't getting what you're hearing. Like the numbers aren't as great or exaggerated there. I think a lot of the numbers are going to be exaggerated. And a lot of these kids, you're going to see a lot of kids getting pissed off because they're not getting what they're being told. So. Well, all right. Now let's go on. So speaking of NIL, let's go into this. This, like I said, there was a lot of sniping amongst SEC coaches. Lane Kiffin, who's always never one, never one to uh, shy away from controversy, kind of kicked it off. Uh, you know, different people said things. Nick Saban said a few, but Lane Kiffin really said this. He joked on Tuesday that schools have different salary caps based on their financial capability and said, and I quote, I didn't know if Texas A&M was going to incur a luxury tax and I, on how much they paid for their signing class. That got Jimbo Fisher's attention. Oh, and, yeah, he got heated. Yeah, he, he, he went scorched earth today. And part of it was that he basically said this was a random internet report on Twitter about how A&M had like 25 or $30 million in NIL deals in this class. And... <clears throat> This was this was actually presented as being truthful, with there really being no evidence of it otherwise. So, and and he said many things. So let's start. Jimbo Fisher, and I quote: "Then to have coaches in our league and across this league to say it, clown acts. All right, irresponsible as hell. Multiple coaches in our league, and the guys griping about nil." griping about transfer portal, are using it the most and bragging about it the most. That's the ironic part. And quote, obviously that was a, that was targeted at Lane Kiffin. Uh, and he goes on further. Quote, it's funny when Nick Saban says, said his quarterback got an $800,000 deal. It was wonderful. Now it ain't wonderful no more, huh? We ain't got that. Ours are on record with what comes up. And he finishes it out by saying, uh, well, he actually finishes it out by saying a ton of things. But we'll finish it out by saying, quote, we worry about the kids and social media. How about grownups? How about coaches that are supposed to be doing the right thing? I tell you what, I know how some of those guys recruit too. Go dig into that. I know the history. I know the tradition. And I know things. Trust me, you don't want to go down that avenue. It's ridiculous, and it's irresponsible. It's unbelievable. I ain't just talking about one. Multiple people got NIL issues. The hypocrisy is a joke. It's an absolute joke, and it's insulting to our staff, how hard we work, to how we do things. It's insulting to Texas A&M because there ain't a better place to go to school and play ball. If you don't like that we're coming on, get used to it. We ain't going nowhere. Now, you wonder why the SEC gets so much attention, why they make every game seem like it's the second coming of the Super Bowl. And don't get me wrong. I think Jimbo is legitimately not happy, and I think he was angry today. But mm. I, also, I also see the SEC commissioner just grinning in the background like, yeah, this is exactly what we want for the next seven months, you know? Yeah. This is exactly the fires we want stroked. Yeah, this is Val Kilmer in freaking 
tombstone, man. He just <laughs> he, he just said, "You're my Huckleberry, man." Yeah. <laughs> Dude, I, he he's like, "I'll play for blood." <laughs> Jimbo just went off on everybody. Listen, <laughs> what's funny is we've been telling people this is going to happen at AM and nobody wanted to listen. It's like uh, he can't win without Jameis. He's 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 a good recruiter, but he's not to the level of saving and these uh okay <laughs> yeah no he's not you know, the funny thing is, is that i've never you know i, I don't uh, idiots are the people that doubt jimbo fisher's ability to recruit and coach and win football games he's done it all he's won a ton of them there's only a few coaches in the that are currently coaching and coachable that have championship rings and he's one of them uh and you know and he did it right during the the heart of like the Saban dynasty, which makes it even more impressive. So, you know, let's let so the idea that he can't do, but you know, I, I think the one thing is is that we do run with a lot of these assumptions. Like it's like the assumption that like I don't know that Travis Hunter got X X amount of money to go to Jackson State through Barstool Sports. It sounded good. I mean I don't know if it's a fact. Corey, you go back and you watch watch the 30 for 30 on Marcus Dupree and the uncle, so-called uncles, like, yeah, you know, people offered him $250,000. You know, it sounds great, and it's, like, part of, like, the whole college football myth of – I'm not saying it doesn't happen. But yeah, it's, yeah. it's – you know, we're not stupid, but it's not to the level that pe- – like, people exaggerate, like, how – bad it is or how great the numbers are like i said people that make money yeah they want to win and they want to have a winning football program but they didn't get rich by just handing their money over to people like it just doesn't i don't think people realize like when you're talking oh every kid in the class got a million dollars like really some (laughs) three-star kid like they signed a couple three-stars i doubt that those those kids were going to a&m just based on a scholarship offer, you know, like I, I just, I, I just, I think it's part of like the fan bases going back and forth and, Oh, you know, they landed that kid because they cheated. And it's just, it's part of this whole myth of college football and it sounds great. And it's so it's, it's this great story. And, you know, I, you and I are more realistic. We understand what goes on and, and, and the schools all bend the rules and they, and they, and they go to like that line. And yet I'm sure some of the teams go overboard, but it's not nowhere to the level that people think like Texas A&M did not pay $30 million for this class. I don't care how many businesses they got behind them. If they did, Jimbo needs to be doing something else than being a head coach of a football program. Like he should be running, a hedge fund if he could pull exactly. this money. like he'd get a lot more money than what he's making gosh, if he could pull this money with football and just i mean there's no there's nothing on your return you know it's like yeah you pay for a football player it's not like you own the team or you're getting money in return it's <laughs> yeah. just it's just for that like ego of oh we're gonna win you know like if he could pull this type of money honestly like there should be some like freaking companies in new york going hey man we need to hire jimbo to run you know, this hedge fund that's worth a billion dollars because he's going to bring in more and more money. I, it's just, it's all a joke, man. I don't know. Yeah. The idea that you can go to businesses and say, hey, if you give us, if you give us a billion dollars a year, we're going to get you a top defensive end. 
And, and you're right. You know, when you think about all those things, like the idea of paying, like, I would pay $200,000 for a running back. Really? That's the only good running back in the country? <laughs> like, yeah. we can't, like, win, I, we I, can't I, win without this guy. Yeah. I could understand, like, in, I've always said this. I could understand, like, if LeBron James came out now and he had to go to college. And yeah, you could, yeah, you could understand obviously. because, like, one player in basketball, like, I'm watching Auburn last night. I know it's a totally different subject. Yeah, and this no. number ten for them. I mean, the kids like jump. It's like, all right, that one kid may makes Auburn like a top team now. It's like, you understand in basketball, one guy you yeah. can basically, you know, like Carmelo Anthony, you can make the Final Four and win it all, like. In football, it's different. Like 28, 30 guys, you're going to have to pay that. It, like I said, there's not a lot on your return. If these kids don't pan out, what are you getting in return for your money? It's not, it's a, you know? Yeah. I don't know. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Um, transfer portal, some major transfers happened this week. You've got to keep them up. Two in particular, quarterbacks. Uh, Two guys that we're really high on. Jackson Dart, who was at USC, transferred to Ole Miss. Uh, and Caleb Williams, who was at Oklahoma, transferred to USC, giving Lincoln Riley kind of ending, you know, the Lincoln Riley thing uh, in terms. He took 13 transfers. A lot of them were from Oklahoma. I mean, he pillaged Oklahoma roster. But he definitely gets that guy. And uh, we'll start with Williams. Uh, five-star kid, big, strong, huge arm, mobile. You gotta think he's a future top ten pick in the NFL draft. Oh uh, yeah, I, Caleb Williams is just honestly, I don't. He's one of my favorite quarterbacks. I thought the kid from watching the, the Ohio State quarterback in their bowl game against um, Ohio State, but Caleb's just got all the tools. He has, he can throw the ball from every different angle. And he's just so smooth with the way that he plays the game. I mean, honestly, he's just – I think he's like a bigger, more physical, more talented Charlie Ward. You know, I, I just wow. think he, he is just a very, very talented player. And USC is going to go and compete for the Pac-12 championship next year because of him. I mean, one player is going to change everything for them, in my opinion. Yeah. Do you think, like, you – if if not a playoff, okay. So let's we don't want to go as far as saying playoffs in twenty twenty two. There's a lot that happens with that, but definitely conference championship potential Rose Bowl. I don't. I mean, do does USC go straight to the top of the Pac twelve? In your opinion, I, I mean, you look. I mean, just just for bringing in Caleb Williams, who's probably one of the best quarterbacks, and they're bringing in Travis Dye, who's one of the best players in that. Con I mean, I did, I did not realize they signed this many kids out of the transfer portal. I mean, I, they, I mean, getting Mario Williams, the kid from Oklahoma, yeah. this team's going to be able to compete in the Pac-12 next year. I mean, you got to figure Oregon comes back to the pack a little bit with the loss of Mario. Arizona State right now is like they're a freaking mess. I mean, they may, you know, their head coach may not make it through next week. Arizona's at least two years away from being competitive. I mean, I, I really think USC could go in and win that conference next year. Uh, Washington has a new coach. I mean, they, they he hit the ground running, and, and you look at the players, you know, that he brought in. Um, USC was – I mean, you watched USC this year against BYU. They're not that far away from being a competitive team in that conference. You know, no. it, it just – they're close, and I think it'll come down to them and UCLA probably uh, to win that conference this year. And 
maybe Oregon because they still have a lot left over. But I mean, the Pac-12 is not this like deep talented conference right now. It's 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 kind of in rebuild mode across the board. And I really think you know Lincoln. I mean, Lincoln's a very good coach, and you know they always talk about character and and um, what's the other word that they always use about um, these programs when you take them over it's uh, oh culture <laughs> yeah culture. culture i don't culture. think the culture is all that bad at usc like i don't think clay helton had bad culture i just think he was no. a bad coach you know <laughs> he was a bad so, coach yeah so it's fine culture he was fine one of the reasons that usc looked competitive last year was because of jackson dart the quarterback yeah. who was you know, who was kind of on, he was kind of bare, was on their depth chart a little bit than their starter, Keaton Slovich. He gets hurt. He's at Pitt now, by the way. And, uh, and Dart ends up at Ole Miss. And I think Dart's an NFL guy. Like, I oh, think yeah. he's, oh, yeah. he's real yeah. deal. Yeah. You know, uh, Luke Altmeyer may want to find a spot in that portal and sit right back down inside that thing and, you know, get comfortable because he will never see the field. As long as over the next two years with Jackson Dort or Dart or whatever, I mean, I watching him last year, that kid has he has a lot of talent, Corey. I mean, he, does he need to clean some stuff up? Yeah, but when you look at the guys that are playing in the NFL, whether it's the uh, the Jared, you know, the Al, you know, the Allen kid out of Buffalo or or uh, Herbert, or, I mean, he's one of those guys. He's a big. He's physical. a lot like Zach Wilson. Boy, yeah. him and Zach Wilson yeah. are very similar. Yeah, I mean, he's just got a big time arm, and he can he can make all the throws, and he can run, and he, he's he's a modern day quarterback. You know, he's yeah. got all the tools. I mean, I'm not a fan of the kid that's at a, at Ole Miss this year. I think Dort or Dart has a lot more talent than um, the quarterback that's coming out of Ole Miss this year. So, that's yeah. Just... So yeah, I mean, it's uh, it's always changing. I mean, when you look at it, so many of the top programs. I mean. Texas A&M, I mean, they're going to at least, they're going to have at least a, between, uh, you know, their last year starter, Haynes King, who got hurt, and uh, the Johnson kid who started at LSU last year, <laughs> you know, I mean, there's just so many different, there's so much, so much movement that's happened in college football between the coaches and the players that, you know, that there's, there's so much going on. It's going to be so interesting. It's going to be really interesting to see you know, how these things shake down and, you know, and who's there um, at the end uh, to, uh, to hold up a trophy. And that's, that's the thing. I mean, college football is sort of, you know, they're, they're not quite to the NFL in terms of figuring out how to be around, to be in the discussion year round, but they're getting closer. Like you can tell, like, you know, like I said, that little, little tip between Jimbo and those coaches today, that carries on through the spring, you know, that, 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 that feud carries on until they play the game. So you might have a couple months in the summer when everything calms down a little bit, but yeah. it's going to amp up real fast. You definitely don't want to be on the bad side of one of those games that Jimbo decides I'm going to put another touchdown or two up on you guys because you wanted to ring the dinner bell. All right. Exactly. <laughs> You're messing with fire there. Yeah, like Ask Dabo Sweeney. You're messing that, with fire there. Let, let that bear hibernate, man. Let exactly. it just keep sleeping in that cave, you know? Yeah. You know, Lane often gets cut. Like, the weird thing about being – I guess the good thing about being an old miss is you're never really expected to win those games. So you can kind of 
talk trash, and if you don't win, it's like, ah, they're better than us anyway. Lane, Lane just likes to talk trash, man. Yeah. Like, I mean, he did it this year with Alabama based on being competitive with them last year and saving, like, you know, saving just wipe the floor with them because it's like, come on, man. Yeah. You know, don't make me do this. All right. Well, what we're going to do, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back and we're going to talk. We're going to go a little bit more in depth recruiting. I'm going to try to pick your brain a little bit on to help coaches. What do you do now? Signing day is here. You got some kids. You still got to find schools. You got underclassmen. Kind of what's the next step for both ends of the cycle? So we're going to be back, have Charles Fishbine here. You know, who's not only who not only is the is the is the name 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 segment on the fish cast, but also runs one of the best uh, services in the country in helping players and co- player helping high school players and college football programs meet each other. And you know, we kind of it's the equivalent of like it's better than Bumble. I call it like the like the high school recruiting version of Bumble. So we're going to talk a little bit about the business and really about what you do this time of year how you help coaches and what coaches can do to help themselves. So we're going to be right back with uh, more of the fish cast. Eric Estep here. This episode is brought to you by Forney Industries. Get it done with green. Forney offers a full line of welding and plasma cutting machines, metalworking accessories, and more. For do-it-yourselfers all the way to professional metalworkers, Forney has everything you need for your next project. Shop Forney's top-of-the-line products at forneyind.com. That's Forney, F-O-R-N-E-Y, ind, I-N-D.com, or at an authorized Forney dealer near you.